0: VLX 64, have no fear of them, Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 33. God give you his peace, in nomine Patris, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Jesus said, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. As you know, VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina. Some people use this as a contemplative prayer guide, whereas others use it as a Bible study on the go. Both are good options, so don't feel guilty if this isn't your prayer guide anymore, since I can't produce three a week, only one. But hopefully you still use this as your Bible study. So today's VLX might sound like a threat at times from our Lord, but I want you to see it's actually more of a promise. Actually, three promises I kind of highlighted there. One, God's care for each person down to the very smallest detail of your life, the hair of your head. Two, Christ is the Lord of history. We're going to get into that. And three, that the final judgment will be the great equalizer for anyone found on God's team at the end of time. So let's go line by line through this. Jesus said, have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Let's look at that word covered and revealed there. Veil in Greek is kaluma, so the word covered, kekalumenon, is the perfect past participle of veil, just meaning veiled. Now, there's another word there that doesn't sound the same in English as veiled or covered, and it's revealed. But it actually has the same root word as the previous word, namely veil. Revealed in Greek is apokalouf thesatai. Now, that might sound like a crazy word you don't understand, but I'm going to prove to you that you actually already know that word. For now, trust me, it just means unveiled. So, nothing is veiled that will not be unveiled literally let's look at that greek word transliterated to the latin alphabet apokaluf kalu in greek means veil apo means away from we also have that same prefix in english so apokalu means unveiling now let's look at the rest of that verb anytime you have a theta that usually means the verb is in the passive tense and that sigma or that letter s means it's future tense So that means it is future passive tense. So if apokalu means unveiling, and it's in the future passive tense, this means will be unveiled. So again, this sentence is, nothing is veiled that will not be unveiled. Now, if you're taking notes in your Bible, you might want to write above your English word revealed, the Greek word in Latin characters apokalufthesetai, or at least the squiggly equal sign meaning related to, and then the word apocalypse. Or if you have the Dewey Rhymes Bible, you might want to note the Latin there translated from St. Jerome from the Greek to the Latin is revelabiter, which is also future passive, meaning will be revealed. Either way, you should recognize apokalu as the first seven letters of the last book of the Bible, Apocalypse. Now, Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, that is Russian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox, we all call the last book of the Bible the Apocalypse. Only Protestants call it revelation. So I'll, of course, call the last book of the Bible on this podcast Apocalypse, as that's the most Catholic name, as well as the fact this is a direct transliteration of the Greek Apocalypse. But there's another connection. Today's passage is a reference to the end of time, the final judgment. This is a reminder how much longer heaven and hell last than our time on earth. So all is unveiled or revealed at the end of time. That's the point of today's passage. There will be no more secrets or lies when Christ returns, which is such a great promise for us facing untold lies in church and state. More than ever in history, I'm convinced. And I have read a lot of church history and a bit of world history. I really am convinced lies rule the world more than ever in history. What a great promise from our Lord today. I'm going to sandwich in the Ignatian imaginative way of prayer here and One way you can approach Ignatian prayer is to picture yourself on your deathbed and look back with different decisions. I believe this idea of looking at your deathbed and looking back at how life would have gone at different decisions, I believe that's in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, but at least it was given to us by some good Jesuits on retreat. So I'm going to propose that you look back From the point of view of your deathbed on how courageous of a life you lived as a Christian, looking back. Now, a lot of today has to do with heaven or hell, but I'm going to propose maybe today for the imaginative way of prayer. You just look back at the level of earthly happiness you would have for being a courageous Christian versus a lukewarm Christian. And this all happens in just day-to-day activity, day-to-day courage. As I said before, this doesn't mean being obnoxious, but this does mean Christ expects us to be courageous today. I mean, the question you may want to ask in the imaginative way of prayer, and even kids can do this, is imagine on your deathbed looking back and judging your own life. Again, we're not even talking about the scariness of hell or the glories of heaven. Just how much you love our Lord and how much really we're only given one life to live as thrilled and thrilling Christians. When you look back, do you want the courage that you lived your life as a Christian to be like, on a scale from 1 to 10, a 3 or a 9? Do you want to be on a 3 on a scale from 1 to 10 or a 9 as you look back in courage? Or rather, how the level of courage that you lived as a Christian, as a Catholic, as you look back from your deathbed. Look closely at that. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And that next line And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, the fathers say that is a reference to God, that God has the ability to destroy both soul and body in hell, not Satan. I know modern Christians, we don't like the idea of fearing God who can do that, but sorry, that's what the church fathers say. That's how they interpret that, that this line is a reference to God. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, so that, again, is a reminder that those who kill the martyrs really have no power over them, especially when the martyrs are fearless. But those who kill the martyrs will indeed have a lot to fear for all of eternity. The next line, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows." Let's briefly look at the Greek again. The Greek there is erythmimini, aesin. Erythmimini, asin, asin just means are. And now if you change the vowels up a little bit on that erythmimini, you have, look at that, that's where we get the word arithmetic. This shows that first promise I mentioned, one God's care for each person down to the very smallest detail of his or her life. Now, how can this be the case that God cares for the hairs of martyrs since like so many martyrs have had their heads burned off and I mean all these other things that have happened to literally their hair. How can we say God cares for each each of the hair of our head or maybe someone who had chemo out there. Did God care for the head of someone who had to go through chemo? Well, yeah, Father Lappi Day answers on this verse quote, "Therefore rest secure in the fatherly bosom of his providence in all persecutions and tribulations whatsoever." For he will deliver you out of them all, either by freeing you from them or else by giving you the crown of martyrdom and taking you to heaven where there will be no more labor or pain. And I add to that that the elect get anything that was harmed on earth, they get that back in the resurrected body. And many people believe, as do I, that if you are saved, if you go to heaven, even if you've been through something like chemo, that Glory will be revealed in how you suffered. Rather, what you suffered on earth will be your glory in heaven. Um, in fact, that's not me. The St. Augustine says that same thing. Okay, let's look at the last line today. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So we have to come up with concrete resolutions. I'll tell you about one of mine. I have a concrete resolution I will not correct in public the s word or the f word um i won't even correct omg in public but if i hear the holy and most sacred and most sweet name of jesus if i hear that misused i have a personal resolution to correct people uh once i was on an airplane a guy huge bodybuilding guy with a tank top who was just across the aisle from me misused our lord's most holy name and i said to him that's my savior and yours please honor that name And he laughed thinking I was joining in the joke with the other guy who was on his side of the aisle. And he said, what? And I said, I was a little nervous because this guy's arms were the size of my thighs. I said, that's my savior and yours. Respect the holy name. And he goes, oh man, I'm a Christian. I should have known that. I would say eight out of 10 times when I correct someone for saying the holy name of Jesus, probably eight out of 10 times it goes well. I remember once about six years ago, I was in an REI, kind of a hippie granola place here in Colorado. And I corrected a must have been a student at University of Colorado and I don't know where this came from but when he said to me no I'm going to do it or whatever he said he this was one of those two of 10 times it didn't go well when I corrected him for using the holy name of Jesus I said would you do that for Buddha or or Muhammad he goes no I said why not he goes free country man <laughs> so that was all he had to say but what's funny is that we Christians are not you know 8 years later we're really not in a free country anymore we really are approaching the point where Every world religion can be respected, but it's totally fine and expected to rip on Christianity. And this is where we're going to see a little bit later in today's thing that if they're coming for us, we might as well meet them on the field instead of our porches. If they're going to come for us, we might as well not bow a little bit of the knee before the woke mob. We might as well be totally courageous Christians. And this is where I think today's passage ties so well into our current state of the state and the state of the church in 2021 or whenever after this you're listening to this. Let's repeat these two lines. So have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark say in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops and so everyone who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. See like I was saying a minute ago, we're at a point in Catholic history and American history where the bad guys are going to have no respect for the good guys, whether the good guys are little church mice or yelling the gospel from the roofs. So, here's my proposal. If the bad guys are coming for the little tiny church mice, well then the church mice out there you might as well either bend the knee before the mob, don't do that, that'd be idolatry. I'm just trying to set up a syllogism here, or yell the gospel from the roofs. Now, I'm not telling dads out there to purposely lose their jobs, at least not yet. But realize the bad guy's already got our number. You know, I'm, I'm convinced so many men and women of goodwill out there, Catholic Christians and non-Catholic Christians listen to this series. Um, goodwill being the term here. So many men and women of goodwill, they know what's going on in the church and the state, but they believe that if they just back up a little bit more, the mob's going to leave us alone. Um, they, they don't realize that their fear is actually going to attract the bad guys for coming and causing our suffering either way. So, well, look, the suffering is here. Um, so the church mice out there, with all due respect, you might as well yell the gospel from the rooftops. And I try to show you in this VLX series why the gospel makes you happier, not only in the afterlife, but also on earth in most of these sessions. But Maybe we should really look at today's session that it's really, the gospel is really going to make us happy in the afterlife. And things are kind of panning out in our country where it may not be the happiest life to follow Christ super closely, but Jesus warns us on this. You know, Our Lady said to Saint Bernadette and Lourdes, Mary the Mother of God said to Saint Bernadette and Lourdes, I cannot promise you happiness in this life, only in the next. That doesn't mean we aim to be grumpy, red-tread, miserable people or whatever, but it does say that in following Christ, we shouldn't come to the conclusion we're doing something wrong if we're being persecuted. We shouldn't come to the conclusion we're we're doing something wrong if everyone says, oh, you're a holy roller, you're self-righteous, you don't accept me, all this stuff. The way that our country and our church is going, those who are following Christ might feel a lot of stings of judgment, ironically, from a lot of other people they love, Um, But our Lord has predicted this in today's gospel. That's why I really think today's gospel is worth bringing to prayer with with everything we see just um, unraveling. And this unraveling will lead to an unveiling in all of history at the final time. So really, I hate to say it, but this life might stink for those who are faithful to Christ. But when you think how long earth is compared to heaven or hell, today's gospel is a huge promise that hell is not just a threat, but the great equalizer of all of history that everything works out for those who love God. But even if you aren't willing to meditate on heaven and hell today, you want to kind of keep it based on how the gospel makes us happy on earth, that's totally fine. But I still, according to the way of St. Ignatius, that imaginative way of prayer, you can still look back from your deathbed, imagine yourself on your deathbed, looking back and saying, how courageous of a life did I live as a Christian? Will that be a three on a scale from one to ten or a nine? Will you look back from your deathbed at a life of compromise or a thrilling life of controversy for speaking the truth even when nobody wants to hear it? Again, I'm not proposing being obnoxious, but we are in a time in church history and American history when gospel-based Catholicism is going to be extremely controversial. Basic truths these days are very controversial. Today's passage, in summary, seen in light of how long heaven is and the resurrection of the body. Remember, all of doctrine comes into the gospel, the resurrection of the body. This is why I pulled these three promises out. One, God's care for each person down to the very smallest detail of their life, even the hairs on their head. We're going to get them all back at the resurrection of the body. Two, Christ is the Lord of all of history. Even when it seems like he's not, even when it seems the church is weak, this is the church in her crucifixion when she's strongest because of people like you. I know that sounds really corny, um, but but it is. And three, that the final judgment will be the great equalizer for anyone found on God's team at the end of time. Hopefully you and me. So don't fear those who can take your jobs or destroy your bodies. Fear rather denying Christ before men here on earth because he will literally deny you before God the Father at both your particular judgment and the final judgment. I wish I had sweeter words to say than that, but that's our Lord's words today. So let's end on good news though, because there's a promise right in there. Can you imagine God the Son proclaiming how proud he is of you before God the Father at your particular judgment? Christ our Lord says as much here, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So I add to that, we have to make some solid resolutions on courageously never denying the most holy name of Jesus in this little tiny time we have on earth. Please say in Our Father for me that I may practice what I preach et benedictio ne nepotentis patris et spiritu Sancti descended super vos et manet semper. Amen.